Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We're going to do something we haven't done. I want you to stand again. Yeah, maybe this is church. Come on. I'm thinking of going back to the old roots of, remember, you never knew when you were going to sit down, stand up. I'm just kind of messing with your mind a little bit. But, no, I had this thought today, and I listened to a lot of podcasts and, you know, try to learn some things about life. And too often, we speak or say things that we see. In other words, we recite what our eyes are presenting to us. But Paul said, I believe, therefore I speak. He didn't say, I see, therefore I speak. He said, I believe, therefore I speak. So I want us to shift just a little bit today because some of you came in here with a lot of things on your mind, a lot of issues in your heart, and the reality is not what you see, but what God says. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you recite God's word out loud, now all of a sudden you hear something different than what you see and the natural mind gets in conflict because what you're doing is declaring by faith something that God has already said in his word and you're agreeing with something that differs from what you see. And then in your mind you're going, I'm a hypocrite. No, you're not. You're just a person that went to the cross and realized without it, you can't make it, and that whatever he said supersedes, overshadows, and transcends what's happening in your life. Come on, you need to get happy right now, because some of y'all jacked up. Just keep standing. I like this, because this way you ain't falling asleep on me. I catch somebody sleeping, we're going to stand up again. So listen to me. had half a Red Bull today. I mean, y'all could be in trouble. This could absolutely be dangerous. But you are so wild. I need some of you to transplant into the nine because sometimes those people sitting there going, just tell me something and get me out of here. I'm like, no, man, I'm trying to get you revved up, man. If I was comparing services to motorcycles, They'd be a moped. You're a Harley. I mean, it's like. So the story was told of a a young boy named Stevie that in elementary school was um, encouraged by the teacher. She told everybody, I want you to go. This is your assignment. Write an essay on on what you want to be. So all the kids went home. They wrote the essay. They went went back to school and handed it in. And when, when she got when she got little Stevie's paper, she read it. She said, Stevie, you need to go home. She said, and you need to rewrite this. She said, Stevie, who do you know that's ever been on TV? Because that was his dream. Who do you know that's ever been on TV? Stevie said, I don't know anybody. And, and so he took it home to his dad, and his dad looked at it, and, and he, said, he said, what's wrong with this? And the teacher said, well, I don't know anybody on TV. She's making me rewrite it. His dad said, Stevie, you rewrite it, but he said, I want you to take the paper that you've written, and I want you to put it on your mirror, and I want you to read it every day. Guess who that Stevie is? That man is Steve Harvey today. And let me tell you something. 
thank God for somebody speaking into his life, his daddy saying, don't even think about giving up on your dream and don't let anybody's opinion transcend what you know God has called you to do and what God has called you to be. Because I'm telling you, when you get to heaven and you look at Jesus and say, well, you don't understand, you're talking to the wrong man. I mean, Jesus is looking and saying, you know, I was, I was presented with the options that you've been presented with. That's one way to look at it when he said, I have been tempted in every way just as you without sin. But he's saying, I've been presented with every opportunity and I didn't quit. Let me tell you something, I quit won't fly in the face of the Father. So now it's time for you to say, man, I don't care, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. The great trifecta of humanity and you're living by that. Well, you know, my mom and my mom and dad were this way. Cancer runs in our family. Well, it's time for it to stop running, and you have to put it to a halt. Heart disease runs in our family. Bipolar runs in our family. It's time for somebody to shut the race down and start changing the direction of the future for your family. I believe... Therefore, I speak. I believe, therefore, I speak. It's time for you to stop talking about things and talk to God about the things that you're about. So we're going to shift a few gears here. We're going to believe what the Word of God says. We're going to believe what the Word of God. Now, you can sit down. There's no guarantee that you can remain that way. But you are... We've been doing a series entitled, It Is Not Good, things that prevent us from the destiny of God, things that stand between us and the purposes of God. And there's probably not one of us in here that at one point in our elementary school life didn't have aspirations that have long since been buried, uh, maybe due to circumstances that uh, happened in your life or somebody's opinion, a test score whatever it might have been that began to kill the dream in you. And that's not good. And so sometimes we take in too much negativity and things that prevent us from being everything that God's called us to be. So the title of today's message is not good to be out of control. And uh, we all know somebody out of control or have known someone out of control. If you've had children, I promise you, you've known someone out of control. You know, they just, they're just abandoned. Kids just have fun. And, you know, if, if anybody could nickname me a, you know, a, a cartoon character, be Peter Pan. I don't ever want to grow up. And, you know, some people say, well, you just got to My dad one time looked at me and said, you know, my dad told me that. He said, you just need to grow up. I was going to ride a motorcycle across America. I looked at him and said, Dad, life's what you make it, and I'm going to make something of it. I would lay on the ground on a construction site, and uh, me and heavy equipment, can you imagine what that's like? <laughs> I loved that power, driving a cat, and, you know, I just, I wasn't living for God, and me and, a, me and the construction owner's son were real good friends, and we weren't good for each other at all. For him to leave us on a construction site alone was an insurance hazard. And, uh, but I remember one day, and, and you, let me just give you his nickname. His nickname was Roscoe. 
His real name was Bruce, but anybody named Roscoe probably ought to pray. Because <laughs> Roscoes are usually rascals. And so Roscoe was a rascal. And his dad owned the company. And uh, one day we were out on a construction site, just the two of us. We were driving bulldozers. And well, I got to tell you, I'm a little, go a little Tim Allen on you in this one. And a little home improvement, more power. Yeah. And so, but we were laying there. And uh, I was looking up in the sky. We were, we were taking lunch, probably just finished doing some weed. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Did that just come out? So, you know, I, I didn't feel like there was anything out of reach. And, and so... Uh, I'm not even lying, man. We, 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 we were so unemployable. And uh, I looked up at this airplane going across the sky. And I looked at Roscoe and I said, someday I will be on one of those airplanes and I'll be going around the world. I wasn't even saved. I, I wouldn't have known Jesus if he walked in in a robe and shook my hand. And... But inside me, God had put this seed. Here's what happens. That sounds like an excess statement. Sometimes we say things that so far exceed uh, what seems possible. And, And some people will try to squelch that. But there are things in our lives... That, that are too, too much, okay? So now, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 25, it says, it is not good to eat too much honey. You, you ever read a proverb and kind of go, okay. <laughs> Never liked honey anyway, so I, I can bypass that verse. <laughs> and as I studied this, I mean, it's really ridiculous. Preachers are getting, we're just insane. So I stopped at that, and I went, what does that really mean? Because I've been told honey's good for you, especially, you know, if you get honey from your particular area of the country. It's supposed to help you with allergies, so I'm going to eat a lot of honey. But it really wasn't about the honey. It's about, it says, don't eat too much. Now, I believe there are things that we need to do in excess, like exercise faith in excess. I mean, I don't think God's going to get irritated over that. I, I don't think, I have never seen anyone overloved. Have you ever, ever seen, would you just stop loving me? <laughs> Please, quit being so nice to me. Quit loving me. I can't stand anymore. No, 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 never, 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 never. Because we were all born to be loved and to love. God put it in us. But here's what happens. There are things that come in excess to interfere with what God put in the process. And love is a part of that. And so there are things in our lives that we, we have to deal with. So we, in a moment I'll get to this. I don't want to get too far ahead. But most of the time we set our minds to do things preventatively instead of proactively. In other words, people who say, I don't want to sin, have a sin focus. So now you live your whole life in a defensive posture trying to prevent the impact and effect of a sin or something that's going to harm your life. So guess what? If you do that, 
you're not really going to be God-focused or God-conscious. You're going to be sin-focused and sin-conscious. Because let's face it, we all know every day we all sin. Some of you don't think you do, and that is a sin. So see, you're a sinner, just like the rest of us. And so if I think in excess too much about the flaws and errors and mistakes in my life, and God help me, you'd need a calculator. If I think of those in excess, I miss out on what God wants to process in my soul and in my life. I tell you, as a youth pastor, and I don't recommend youth ministry to anyone, uh, but I think it's it's a necessary boot camp to become a pastor, because I gotta tell you something, man. Teenagers have more going on in their body than any 10 adults. And, and I, had, I had a thousand teenagers in my first youth group. Now you factor, me standing in front of a thousand kids preaching this, no, I'd be like, sit down and shut up. <laughs> I did, I did, because that's the only way I knew to treat teenagers. I'll do to you what your daddy needs to be doing to you, sit down. <laughs> it's the only way I knew to corral a thousand kids. I will whip you. And then I'll bring your mama and daddy in and show them what I did to help them. <laughs> and there were a couple of kids, a brother and sister, and they were just, they were the kind of kids you just go, I wish I had kids like that. And you know, on the outside, it was just, they were just, they were just pristine. They were just amazing kids. Uh, their, their names, well, I'll give you her name. <laughs> well, I'll give you his too. That way, when they listen to this on podcasts, I know where they are and they still follow me. So Robin and Craig, <laughs> you made sermon history. Okay, so Robin was probably the sweetest girl you could ever meet. High school student, sophomore. And I was taking kids at that time. I would, I, Michelle's here. Michelle, she was in my youth group. Now you're old. And so, uh, Joel, see there, that's what I'm talking about right there. She really wasn't in my youth group. You remember Robin? Do you remember Robin? Yeah, right there, her. Yeah, huh? Yeah, Hackney. Oh, did we say that out loud? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know some of you are going, how did we end up here? We thought we were coming to a wedding. Uh... And so we had to go through, you went to the ropes course with me, right? Yeah. So we, we, we had to go to this ropes course where we were going, we were going to inner city New York to perform a, a production called Somebody Please Make Me Laugh in Harlem and Brooklyn and Bed-Stuyvesant. We were all over the hardest areas of New York City. So I had to get these kids ready because you just didn't know what was going to happen. So we were going to work as a team. And so we go to this ropes course and there's a 35 foot telephone pole. They didn't call it a telephone pole. They called it the pamper pole. Do you know why? Are you serious? <laughs> the diaper pole? Because when you got up there, you wanted to do anything but jump? <laughs> you had to climb it. 
you had you were belayed off. You had a guy down below holding the rope that, that was going to catch you if you missed the trapeze bar that was 10 feet out from the pole. He weighed 150 pounds. Not confident. <laughs> I'm looking, going, hey, can you get me a metabolism challenge guy down there? <laughs> we can't use the F word anymore. <laughs> so, y'all are sick. So... So, I have no idea what they put in that Red Bull. So, you would climb up the 35-foot pamper pole, huggies, loves, whatever, and you would leap out. I'm just trying to connect, because some of y'all are going, I don't get it. I'm doing my best. Ask somebody after the service, all right? What was he talking about? It's standard question after I preach. And so you'd have to you'd have to leap out and get it. And so that was one. And then there was a climbing wall that was 35 feet and straight up, and you had to maneuver. They had blocks, and it wasn't easy to climb. And I'll never forget Robin got on that pole. I mean, on that wall. That really didn't sound good. Uh, so. That was a way swing and miss. Anyway, so, well, what kind of youth group was he running, you ask? She got on the wall. And so she's making her way up the wall. I don't know if this girl used the word shoot, okay? She was just so pristine. But when she get about, got about 10 feet up that wall that day, I heard things that I have never heard in my life. <laughs> I mean, she, I mean, there'd be hash marks and everything. <laughs> I lost it. They're looking to the pastor, like, okay, thou shalt not. And I'm like, I'm dying here. This is awesome. It was a little in excess, but Robin hadn't cussed in her whole life, so she had a lot of catching up to do. I think it was probably the most life-changing moment in her life, and it certainly was mine. (laughs) What I realized in in that moment is that I think we look at things that really aren't that important and miss things that really are. You know, we're so overboard sometimes in excess about people's opinions, what people do, how they do it, where they do it, that we really miss out on what God is doing. Because everybody's got an opinion about your life and mine, starting with your mother and your father. My mother told me I was a lot better than I ended up being. (laughs) You remember that? You come home from school with an A. Oh, you're just so brilliant. No, the guy next to me was really smart. And so (laughs) I'm just praying, Mom, that we go through 12 years together. I'm out of control. 
<laughs> Come back. You know, there, you know, men and women, when it comes in, before God, we're all the same, but we're very different in life. We, you, will, you will never, ever hear a man say, Does, do these fatigues make me look fat? <laughs> you will never hear that from a man. Honey, am I prettier than him? You will never hear that from a man. You will never hear from a man, hey, let's go to the restroom and freshen up. Are you kidding me? Two men walk into a restaurant and there can be 30 stalls and they're not going in together. Go to the restroom, let me know when you're back. (laughs) We're, We're different in many ways, but we're alike in so many others. Women are more real, transparent with their feelings of vulnerability and men are very insecure so we we put up walls and the reality is that life is about finding that sweet spot of 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 finding self-control and and sometimes we think about self-control in the things we're not doing but sometimes self-control is not allowing things to happen to us so if I can exercise self-control with regards to people's opinions, and let me tell you something, when it comes to preaching or public speaking or singing or whatever, everybody has an opinion about you. I mean, all of you right now, you're forming an opinion. This guy, <laughs> never forget the lady that came up to me one time when I first started a church, and she looked at me, and she'd, she'd come every week, I'd see her, she looked like a very normal person, and then she spoke. Um... <laughs> You know those people, don't you? (laughs) And she opened her mouth and she said, I'm leaving your church. (laughs) And you know, you could tell it's one of those people that just wanted to make your life hell. You know what I'm saying? I want you to be miserable, so I'm going to tell you I'm leaving. And she, but her comment went next to her, I'm leaving your church. There's just too much levity here. And I said, just levitate on out, sweetheart, because we're going to have some fun. And she did. That's how come I'm so happy today. (laughs) Why do we try so hard to keep people in our lives that really don't want there? Again, it's self-control. If I would have been others controlled, she would have controlled my situation. If I had excess concern about what people thought about me, then I would have taken her, magnified, multiplied, and said 100 people think what she thinks. And then all of a sudden, I become who those 100 people want me to become, and the other 100 people, and 200 people, and 300, and thousands that like me the way I am get to miss out on this. All right, so. Not going to do it. See, that's self-control right there. That means you ain't going to control me. No human being should be controlled. No human being. Male, female, no race, doesn't matter. Nobody should be controlled. And yet we live our lives that way all the time without realizing we have surrendered self-control to others' control and others' opinions, begin to give direction to our lives. 
Many people said, I, I, I got some really, you know, I, I saw this meme that, that said um, something like, to all my haters, you haven't seen anything yet. There is more to come. You know, that sometimes you just have to do that. You just have to look and say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So when I came back to Oklahoma City, there were people, I had some haters. Now, I ain't going to tell you who they are because some of y'all go out and beat them up. Pastor, we took care of them for you. And my flesh would be going, yeah, baby. And my spirit would be going, oh, Jesus, help them, forgive them. I had that conflict because every now and then I like to watch somebody get theirs, you know. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Lord, just let me be there. Wouldn't that be cool if God said, okay, come here, I'm doing it today. I'm having a moment. You see, self-control is a result, not a pursuit. So in other words, if you're trying to achieve self-control, your focus will be on the things that you need to control, things that are controlling you instead of the God of heaven and earth. Now, if you look at Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay. So an apple is the result of an apple tree. So the pursuit is not the apple, but the pursuit is the tree. Because if the tree's not good, it will not bear fruit. So our goal in pursuit is God or the Holy Spirit, not love, not joy, not peace, because if you're in God, you will bear the fruit of God. If God is in you, you will bear the fruit of God. So any goal that is not God is not a worthy goal. I'll never forget going through one counseling process. I was so disheartened. I was trying to, obviously, I'm a messed up individual, and I'm doing better. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say I'm no longer messed up, but that'd just be flat out lying from the stage. And so, so I'm a lesser messer. <laughs> but he, he said this, he said, he said, our goal this weekend is not to save your marriage. I looked at him and said, then why the heck are we here? And he said, the goal is God. I get this now. Every goal we have is God, because inside God is destiny, purpose, fruit, results, things that will benefit us. You may be praying for something, a new house, a new something else, and without, and that becomes your goal, and then God becomes a means to your end. God is never a means to the end. God is the beginning, and God is the end. He is nothing but those things, the beginning and the end. So if my goal is a house, a mouse, a wife, a whatever, it's a wrong goal. My goal is God because inside God is every good thing. So now my pursuit becomes God. I'm not trying to be self-controlled. I tried it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I start thinking about things. I, I can't do it, but I can pursue God. And, and the result of my pursuit of God, I get results. Guess what? 
if somebody says, well, what do you want? People have asked me, what, what do you expect of the church? I said, that's not my, that's not my thing now. I said, here's what I've learned as I've gotten older. I am not old and I will never be old. I will only ever be older. Okay, that's the way this works in this house. My daughter said, dad, you're old. I said, no, sweet, sweet, I'm just older. Where was I going? You got me distracted. It's all your fault. I'm controlled by you. The fruit, being fruity. And so the goal has to be God. Everything about it has to be God. And, and, and so we, we've got to remember that when I pray, God, show me your desire instead of God, here's my desire. Because if I delight myself in the Lord, it says he will give me the desires of my heart. Guess what he's saying is, your delight is in me. You don't even know the desires that I have for you. And your desires aren't that good, but mine are great. So if you'll delight yourself in me, in other words, delighting is the pursuit. Not the desire, but the delight is my pursuit. The desire is what God brings as a result of my delighting myself in him. So everything that goes through God not to God and then to you, but go through God to get whatever God has in him for you and me. You have a business, guess what? Your pursuit is God. To honor God in everything you do. God, today I wanna honor you in my business. I wanna honor you in everything I do. I want us to represent you. As you represent God and as you pursue God, the result is up to him. Our responsibility is obedience, his is results. So people say, what do you want? I said, I want what God wants. What does God want? He hadn't told me yet. Well, what about next year? I may not be alive. Oh, that's startling. That froze you. I feel love. <laughs> Made some of you go, oh, pastor. I'm alive today. And if I do go to heaven, I don't want to come back and see y'all. I will have seen too much to like you. God, go get them. It's miserable down there. You see, we, we can rarely sustain what we will. What we, will. We, we can't. So if I can, by works, achieve a level of self-control by works, then I have to sustain it by works. And that means by the law. You, you have a principle that you're applying. I want to love everybody. Should I go on? <laughs> there are people sent into your life that you're just looking and like, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, taketh them away, Lord. <laughs> we try to control others, things, situations, business, and, and, and others trying to control us. The reason self-control is so important is because the Bible tells us to be like a tree planted by the, the streams of water, deeply rooted in God. So our goal is not the fruit. The fruit is the result of a life submitted and planted in God. I still fight getting up and coming here some mornings. It's just week six. 
I don't know if this will sound good or bad to you, but it feels like six years to me. <laughs> don't, don't go home and tell your wife. I know we've been married three months, but it feels like a lot longer. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Don't do what I'm doing. All right. So, but every now and then I go, God, it's, it's only been six weeks. We're ch- we've been six weeks as a church. I'm like, I'm, every now and then I pinch myself and I just go, wow, could, 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 could we speed it up? <laughs> no, because I, I mean, I think more people need to hear what we have to say and be here and laugh with us and enjoy Jesus with us and have a, a life that's filled with laughter because laugh, laughter is good medicine. And I promise you, this is not gonna change. So if, if you don't like laughing, I can send you to about 368,000 churches where you'll have a great life. Not a problem. I went to a lot of them. I didn't want to be saved because these people didn't look happy. I thought if heaven looks like your face, hell might be a good option. You've seen those people. God loves you. Take it, take it. (laughs) And if you don't, I'm gonna beat you up. God loves you. I want street preachers on the corner preaching that way to tell the world they're an atheist and help us in reverse. (laughs) I can tell that needs explanation as well. (laughs) Don't have time. Self-control is tested by our wants, not our needs. Why? Because we all need to eat. But some of us really want to (laughs) eat. You know what I'm saying? I am not a foodie. I'm not a, that that new word foodie, you know, people, I'm not a foodie. Where do you want to go to eat? I don't want to eat. I have to eat. I I do, but, but I'm not just, I'm not a foodie. And, uh, so people that, that, uh, you know, I, I just, I would love to tell you that I have this incredible discipline, and I do, but it's an easy discipline for me because I, I, I need food. So for me, my, it's really not a test for me. But if I wanted something, the test then would be a test for me to say, you know, is my life really self-controlled or is it controlled by something else? Let me give you guys a tip. I absolutely adore, love, have an affection for cherry sours. I, I do. I, 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 if you, it's like, don't get them near me and, and just, I mean, I hide them. Give me, be like, you know, give me five a day and lock the rest up. I just, it's like addiction. If I, and I, there's gotta be a Cherry Sours Anonymous group somewhere. <laughs> I'm just, I just, I like my new watch. I'm not, just don't worry about the time. Uh, <laughs> don't think you're getting out anytime soon. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Some of y'all going, go, oh, when's he going to shut up? When I'm ready. And so, because otherwise I would be others controlled. <laughs> I 
One beatitude of self-control is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they are sticking to their diets. Um, When's the last time you ever heard anyone say, I have got to lay off the broccoli? Just got to lay off the broccoli. I, I, I've got to reduce my spinach intake. I, I'm eating so many carrots, I'm looking orange. I mean, nobody does that. You know what I'm saying? Why didn't God... Why, God, didn't you make broccoli taste like, taste like chocolate mousse and spinach like banana pudding and, and carrots like cherry sours? Why, God? Why? Why is sugar so bad for us? I really don't get it, and that is a question I'm going to ask in the first thousand years. question is, is is there anything in your life that controls you, anything, anyone, any circumstance? Because if, if that in fact is the case, you're out of control. There are people that come to me and say, throughout the years that I've been doing this and I've been doing it a long time, they'll say, you know, here's what's going on in my life. Uh, and, and I said, well, why don't you change it? And they said, well, they go, well, my mom would think this or my dad would say that. Now, I'm a father of five. I wish my kids would do what I told them to do. Yeah. Been there, done that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, uh, don't do that. I've done that. It hurts. <laughs> really? That's because you're a moron. I can pull this off even though you couldn't. You know, I mean, stuff like that. But when I hear that, many adults are still controlled by their parents' thoughts, opinions, lifestyle, upbringing, and you're controlled. You make decisions realize, without realizing it that were implanted in your soul at a very young age, and you don't have self-control because you won't do what you're called to do. I, I'm telling you, when I told my parents at 24 years old, I was a mess. Most of you know, you've heard my story. Uh, I, had, I had lived such a, a rough life from about 18 to 21 that I had let go of all the possibilities uh, I, of going to college, doing all those things. And at 24, I, I got born again at 21. It took God three years to get to my heart and say, go back to school. I had this incredible job. My parents were like great, our kids are employed, we're done. And so, so I had this unbelievable job and I felt like God said quit and go back to school. So I go to my dad and my mom, I thought they're going to rejoice with me. You would have thought I burned their house down. What, what are you doing? I said, well, I feel like God wants me to preach and I feel like I need to go get an education because people were having me tell my story because I was, such, I was the bad guy and everybody knew me in the community. And so when I got saved, all the parents thought, there's our ticket. If Mark Crow can be saved, there's hope for our children. <laughs> and so I began telling my story, but I didn't know. I thought the, the epistles were the wives of the apostles. I didn't know anything about the Bible. 
And so I am like going, okay. So I thought, God says, you need to go back and learn what you're talking about. So when I told him, so if I would have been others controlled or controlled by others and had no self-control to hear that God's in control, then I wouldn't have gone back to school and I wouldn't be living the life I'm living and doing what I'm doing. See, sometimes we think of self-control as I don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or date women who do. I mean, those are the mindsets of many people, is that, you know, I don't do certain things. It's not about what you don't do. It really isn't. It's about knowing what God wants you to do and doing those things. But if you're controlled by other people's opinions or by what you've been told you, you can't do because you have a limited IQ, you have a you have limited skill set, whatever it might have been, those are things that are controlling you. In order to have self-control, you have to plant yourself like a tree planted by the waters, and then and only then will you bear the fruit of your destiny because you're planted in God. And then finally... Spiritual self-control is silent. Now, the reason I say this is because some of you are going to begin to apply self-control and do things that you've felt like doing for a long time. You're going to disregard the opinions of others that have controlled you and, and, and things that you've depended on. Some of you are controlled by a job. That is not in the notes. That might be from heaven. Because I was controlled. Everything about my life was dad said, get a good job and keep the job for 30 years and then retire. I, I was controlled by that. And, and many of you have heard before I came back to Oklahoma City, I had two job offers that geographically were far more attractive. <laughs> Elbow K Bahamas, go there and oversee real estate for a billionaire friend. I'm in. The other one was shooting movies five months a year in Europe. And here I come, riding in on my pony back to Oklahoma City. See, we're always looking for security. There is no security outside of God. There is nothing outside of God. God is the goal, and inside God is all the security, the, the wealth, the finances, the love. Everything we need is wrapped up in God. So once you start exercising self-control, you'll be tempted to get out of control now and tell everybody how much control you now have. See, the devil will always take something good and turn it into something bad. He's a counterfeit. And so now, I remember, I, 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 when I learned how to pray, when I learned how to pray. Now, now some of you say, well, how do you pray? I, I, I used to try to pray, and after 30 seconds, I'd said everything I thought God needed to hear. People say, we need to, Jesus said, could you not tarry an hour? I can't tarry a minute. <laughs> I'm like, what, what more do you need to hear? God, I need money, and I need a job, I need a woman, I need, <laughs> after a minute, I'd unloaded on God. <laughs> and finally, I, I studied prayer. And I realized, I learned how to pray. I'll probably teach on this sometime where I could pray until I finally said, I got to stop because I, I learned how to pray. Well, guess what? After I learned how to pray, I wanted everybody to know I know how to pray. <laughs> and let me tell you what time I get up and pray. Because this, this guy that taught prayer taught that Jesus got up very early in the morning. 
I don't think I believe that that much anymore. I think maybe he did, but it was in Jerusalem, which means it's later for us or something like that. That was over there. Now, on American time, Jesus got up at 12, okay, noon. (laughs) That's when we pray on this side of the ocean. Y'all can get up at 5 a.m. if you want. We're getting up at noon. God's more awake. I'm more awake. It's a win-win. So I had this thing in me that I knew how to pray. And so people would say, wow, you look so vibrant, you're so happy, and you know all these good things are happening. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard anybody take credit for what God did? Yeah, I got a prayer life. <laughs> so God did this because of you? Really, seriously? Pray for me now. Let's see how that works. Make it work for me. You know, and I'm not saying prayer doesn't change things, well, I am. Prayer changes people. I don't think prayer changes things. It changes us. And when we're changed, then things happen. So when I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, God, what I'm really saying is, Father knows best. And so whatever good happens in my life doesn't happen as a result of me. It happens as a result of me being planted in him. And the fruit of me being planted in him then begins to manifest in my life in ways that are becoming obvious. So I would tell people, well, I get up and I'm up at six and I pray for an hour. What about you? Now, I wasn't really, well, yeah, I was. <laughs> so what I'm saying is once you get self-control, if you're not careful, you'll start worshiping self-control. And you'll start telling everybody, you know, why you're all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> and so, you know, when Jesus was spoken with, oftentimes he just remained silent. Because he was self-controlled. Sometimes, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to word this, see, how can I word it politely? Sometimes, you just need to shut up. It landed just about like I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> have you ever had those times when you start opening your mouth like asking a woman if she's pregnant? Never ask. Are you pregnant? Well, I'll see you in heaven. Because they will not be your friend anytime soon. Sometimes self-control is just learning when not to say anything. There were times that Jesus had all the wisdom of heaven and he sat silent. For those of us who talk a lot, the writer of Proverbs said it like this, where words are many, sin is not absent. There's a whole lot of sin around my life. Because words are many. I probably sinned throughout this message if you go back and listen to it numerous times. You just didn't know it because you're a sinner too. It's great to have a house full of sinners. We should probably stop. Because some of you are really hungry. <laughs> I should preach a long time just to practice self-control today. Uh, probably should do that. Yeah, yeah. Don't think we will.
Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for your awesomeness, your patience, and your willingness to really help us in, the, in our lack, in our need, in our void, in our emptiness, our inability, our lack of capacity. Lord, you don't look at us as a inept people. You love us. And you want us to seek your wisdom and your counsel. You're not withholding from us, if anything, we would be withholding from you our submission and our surrender to your counsel. So, Lord, today, may you be our goal. God, inside you is self-control. If our pursuit is you, we will bear the fruit of who you are. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here today and you say, man, I'm, I'm not surrendered to God. And I want to surrender to God. And those of you listening on podcast, you know that you need to surrender to God, as all of us do. You're fighting. You're doing the best you can. You, you really are. I believe, I believe most people are really doing the best they can. But that's self-will. And Jesus, the very Son of God, surrendered his will to the Father. Well, if Jesus surrendered his will to the Father, should we do less? We see the results of his surrendered will. He was raised from the dead. And when we surrender our lives to God, we too shall be raised from the dead after we die. You have to die before you can be resurrected. And so, so I want that and right now, I've never surrendered my life or my sin to him. I want to ask you, if that's you, just to slip your hand up right now and say, Mark, pray for me. And put it right back down. I'm not asking you to be a show. Yes, thank you. There are others. Thank you. There are others. Because this is just, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's what this is about, folks. Nobody in here is better than you. This is not about how good we are. This is about how surrendered we are. That's all this is. Nobody's better than you. There are people, however, who have surrendered more than you and me. And so what you've done today is said, I want to join the group of surrendered. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today I give my life to you. Amen.